You're listening to Never Sleeps Network. Welcome, family, friends, fans, and foes. It's time once again for Talking Wrestling on the Never Sleeps Network. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, comedian Casey Corbin, and uh, you've joined me for a great episode. Uh, I'm excited today. Uh, today is a good day. I'm here on a Sunday. I'm actually uh, visiting my parents' place in my hometown, and I got one of my hometown friends that I grew up with. Actually, didn't grow up with him. Grew up with his brother. Um, his brother is far more responsible and has way too busy to appear on the show, but he is here today and we'll get to him in a second. Remember if you were uh, listening to the podcast, why not hit us up on Twitter at TNW pod or follow us on the Instagram at talking wrestling podcast on Instagram. And if you want to drop us a Gmail and tell us how you, how you like the show or who you want on the show, please feel free to do that at TalkingWrestling at gmail.com. Also, do remember, we are still doing our contest. I still have over 30 postcards of 80s wrestlers to give out this week. Uh, another one has gone out next week. Another one will go out as I got this great um, review right now, which earns itself a uh, postcard. And this one is from Eric Lamora from USA. And he did this on September 29th. And I appreciate it. And it's uh, You Claim to Know Good Podcast. Uh, I love that because clearly he knows uh, the story of The Undertaker and my friend and I who met The Undertaker and the story of what happened. And this is his, uh, this is his review uh, from his five-star rating and his review. And this is uh, why he's getting a postcard. Uh, found this podcast from We Watch Wrestling Pod, which Casey has been a guest on many times, and I love it. One of my favorite pods to listen to. Thanks, Casey, for all the laughs and stories. Well, that's good enough to get a postcard, Eric. I will track you down or you track me down, but we'll work on that this week. And you send me your five favorite pre-Hulkamania wrestlers from the 80s, and you will get one of them, hopefully, in a postcard. Uh, So far, postcards that have already gone out, uh, Hulk Hogan has gone out. Dusty Rhodes has gone out and the Road Warriors have gone out. So, uh, Eric, you're up. Who do you want to take? Let us know. We will get that postcard out to you. Also, next week we will have, well, this weekend I'm working, as you all know, with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. I've got three nights working with him and we will have him on the podcast and we will be giving away the Ricky podcast, the Ricky podcast, the Ricky, the dragon steamboat. Actually, it's not even the dragon. It's more like Ricky steamboat, just Ricky steamboat pre WWE. So it's more like, Hey, look at Jay Youngblood's tag team partner over here, Ricky steamboat. Yeah. Well, he's going to autograph that postcard. And then you know what? Somebody's going to do a review and they're going to get that postcard sent to them. So here's the deal. You know, the deal you give a five-star rating and a good review, you get a postcard. But on the Ricky Steamboat episode, we're going to run this to December, uh, till December 31st. And what happens is, if you listen to the Ricky Steamboat episode, and you give five stars and a great review for it, well then you will be entered into the Ricky Steamboat postcard contest. And perhaps you will win that postcard. So get those reviews in, keep those ratings coming in. 
you know, I know I'm buying these ratings and reviews off of you with postcards, but this is how we have to build the show to be more successful. So this is something that I need you to help with and I need to help with. We're working on this together. So thank you uh, for that. Um, we've got a great show for you today. Like I said, you claim to know me. Everybody knows that. That's what The Undertaker said to my buddy, Chris Cody, when he asked him, how's your wife and kids? And he said, you claim to know me. Is one of the greatest moments of my life that I've ever witnessed that I've never been so embarrassed but and thrilled with at the same time. And today, on the show, I have my buddy who was with me that night that asked those questions to The Undertaker. <laughs> Chris Cody. Chris Cody, welcome to the show. Thank you, Casey. Thank you very much. It's an honor to be on your show, and I'm so glad that I had such a memorable moment in your illustrious wrestling uh, memories, and probably one of the most single embarrassing moments of my entire life, when you meet your idol, who you've always wanted to meet, and you've got that one question, and you ask the most stupidest thing possible. But thank you, Casey. I'm glad that my misery is your, your joy. Well, you have so many great stories. You have so many great stories. So we'll just start at the beginning. What's your first memory? of wrestling how did you get into wrestling when did all that take place do you remember around what year what what age you are when you got into wrestling for sure casey for sure it was probably back uh, right at the height of uh, saturday night's main event on uh, nbc back in the day and i think it was actually my uncle steve farrell who uh, uh, was started taping some episodes and uh, on the old vhs Wait, steve farrell is your uncle yes isn't he younger than you uh, well, that would be Steve Jr. That oh, sorry, Jr. And, Go on. And sorry, his grandfather, Steve, Steve Sr., Stephen uh, Joseph Farrell Sr. and Stephen Joseph Farrell Sr. Sr., all originally from Arthur, Ontario. A little shout out to Arthur, Ontario for, for my mom. But it was VHS tapes for Saturday Night Main Event. So it would have been just kind of, I guess it would be in between probably WrestleMania 1, WrestleMania 2. So it's probably back between uh, 84, 85 type of thing. Mm-hmm. So I'd have been about uh, probably about 10. And I remember I used to like to stay up late at night to watch. I was working on my French vocabulary with Bleu Nuit, a local station that helped the uh, <laughs> the French. Uh, so um, before Bleu Nuit would come on, we would watch uh, Saturday night's main event. Yeah. Did you watch Bleu Nuit, Case? Back of course then? I did. Fucking Channel 5. <laughs> Give her the fiver. <laughs> Anything for Emmanuel. <laughs> Bleu Nuit uh, was a French-Canadian channel, and on Saturday nights, they play softcore porn. <laughs> So that would be the first, you know. So it's very educational, Casey, for language. So, it really helped. Madame Maloney was very impressed with my French vocabulary in St. Joe's. Yeah, exactly, because you knew how to say boobies in French. <laughs> <laughs> and then you went from watching female boobies, or no, you went from watching half-naked men to half-naked women on the French channel. <laughs> but I remember watching these these VHS tapes of uh, Saturday Night's main event and then kind of getting hooked onto it. And I guess that was just when Hulk Hogan and Hulkamania was starting to really get rolling, so that that was kind of the how basically I got into wrestling with my brother Scott, and um, basically it just kind of took off from there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Same with me. I got into it around the same time, '84, right after. Actually, the pre-build to WrestleMania was the when I got into it. So I, WrestleMania, I was already on board. I didn't see it. I didn't. I haven't seen any WrestleMania to this day. I've never been to a WrestleMania. I'm probably waiting for it to come to Toronto again. It's not happening next year. They've already been ruled out. 
Um, I mean, well, not next year. Next year's New Orleans, but the year after, Toronto's already been ruled out, as far as I understand. Uh, hopefully, it will come to like somewhere north where it's not so expensive to go, like Minnesota. I'm shocked that they haven't come back to Toronto because, from what I understand, the last time they were in Toronto with uh, when the Hulk and the uh, Rock were there, they drew at the time one of the largest gates in the history of wrestling, and it sold out like you know very quickly. And I'm shocked that they haven't come back. I've heard rumors that Toronto is actively trying to bring it back. I was very fortunate to get to WrestleMania 6 in Toronto to see the Hulk versus the Warrior, which was absolutely awesome. You bastard. How did you get to that? Because you were one of the only, like, you and your brother went to that, and you're, like, one of the only people I know from Empire that went to it. There was uh, my brother and I, and I guess Dwayne Ward, I think, and uh, and Todd Peckett, but uh, actually, uh, Glenn Arthur and the Empire Recreational Department organized a bus from Arm prior to WrestleMania 6 and we begged and begged our uh, parents to take us and they didn't want to they wanted nothing to do with it no and then we had a family friend Father Dan was going to take us to the wrestling event and fortunately that worked out that he didn't and my mom ended up God bless mom but she she actually took her little boys down there and it was actually awesome we took a, we left in the afternoon WrestleMania back then I think was I think it was a four o'clock start time back in the day. And I remember it was, I think it was April 1st, uh, 1990. And I was huge. I was kind of torn that day because I was both a Hulk and a Warrior fan. But I was also, I'm a huge, huge Demolition uh, fan. So I was really excited to come go down and see Demolition. And to this day, I still cannot believe for the love of God that they're not in the WWE Hall of Fame. So anybody listening out there, Email, tweet Vince, Steph, Triple H. Yep. Let's get Axe and Smash yep. in the, the WWE Hall of Fame. It's a true injustice of this every, modern age. Every now and again, I will go to Chris's Twitter, and I will see him tweeting at Vince <laughs> to put demolition in. And I, and I just shake my head. I'm like, they're not going in as long as they're on that lawsuit. That They're both suing for concussions. And I was talking about that with Ted DiBiase. And, uh, and Ted's like, they're both on there? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, how do you feel about that concussion lawsuit? He's like, look at, you know what you're getting into. You know what the precautions are. He's like, it's not the safest industry. And then he's like, and I'll tell you right now, he's like, uh, Bill Eady never wrestled the type of match that he would get a concussion in. <laughs> so I don't know why he's suing. You know, these guys are, a lot of these guys on the, on the lawsuit are guys that have mismanaged their money or, or they're broke or, you know, um, like demolition are still wrestling. They just, still they just retired recently. They had their last match. I was very fortunate to catch them last Ottawa. I think I went to uh, Canadian Wrestling. Uh, who's the gentleman that runs the Canadian Wrestling? Um, In Ottawa? Uh, yeah. Uh, the Hannibal. The Hannibal runs okay. Canadian CW Wrestling. And he actually, it, it was it was pretty good. He did bring Axe and Smash to Ottawa, which was pretty cool. So I did go down and I paid them the $20 and now, I got my picture taken with now them, what like did, a big mark. Now, now wait. No, that's not... That's not that. With my buddy Scott Burney. I always want to support wrestlers. I, you know, I won't ask for a picture unless I buy something. They're there for a reason. They're there to make money. You know, everybody wants to make money. So I don't bother them for free pictures unless I go buy their merchandise or I buy the picture because uh, I want to support them because I love them. And um, so when you got to meet Demolition, what kind of Chris Cody questions did Demolition get asked? <laughs> what did you talk to get Demolition about? <laughs> well, I was very fortunate. There wasn't a huge lineup to see them. So I, <laughs> so I was able to ask them a couple of questions. And Bill... The, uh, no, wor no worries of Crush coming in? No, no. no. We, we were okay there. Barry Darsaw was really nice. And actually, Bill Eady, too. They were both, uh, they were both fantastic. But... Uh, 
I had a couple of specific questions. Basically, the first one was why why the hell aren't you guys in the WWE Hall of Fame? And they just kind of they just kind of just kind of said that we don't know. And then I also uh, Bill Eady wanted to just share his you know he traveled extensively in Japan wrestling and and and, and was talking about his other career. I, I really could care less about the mass superstar. I was more interested in acts. What about what well, you don't even like the what about the 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 super machine? The super machine. Well, actually, probably my second favorite Billy Dee character has appeared in Hollywood with his uh, No Holds Barred was the opening match with Hulk Hogan or Rip and Billy Dee. That was probably my favorite. Wait, Billy Dee was the opening match in the No Holds Barred? Yeah, of course. Did you I, not know that? Every wrestling fan knows that, Casey. Come I on. Did not. I know he's in the washroom with Stan Hansen. He's got the black uh, eyeshadow on his eyes, and you can't really tell because he doesn't have his axe makeup on. And I'm, I remember in the theater with that cool soundtrack, the No Holds Barred soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I still can't believe that didn't win a Academy Award. Dookie, <laughs> Harley and me and you in the tree, brother. <laughs> That's the worst line ever. Harley and me and you in the tree. The uh, that the uh, the wrestling episode in Ottawa though with Demolition, they they did compete in the match, unfortunately, and they, they should definitely retire. I'm glad. I, I think they have actually retired now, but it was cool to see them. They came out with their old Rick Derringer theme music, which is the coolest thing about Demolition. It's the, probably the best theme song the best theme song out there like it's such a good song i would listen to it on the radio you know and i would i would i would have a serious uh, debate with any knowledgeable wrestling fan those guys held the titles for consecutive days i think it was almost a year and a half or two years and they're not in the wwe hall of fame and then vince threw the belt on um the new day just to, to spite demolition well yeah they passed the record and like yeah. a week or two later they lost in a in a silly match again because of the lawsuit He's taking everything they have away from them. Yeah, but the Warriors said all kinds of crazy stuff back in the day, and even Hulk, like, and, and they they let bygones be bygones. Yeah, Ted DiBiase said to me, he goes, "Can you believe that? Like, the Warriors in the Hall of Fame, and there's a trophy, and there's a everything, and Hulk Hogan's not because he's racist." Like, <laughs> I was like, "Is Hulk Hogan racist?" He's like, "No," and he doesn't even call him Hulk; he calls him Terry. I'm like, oh my god, so awesome! Do you think we'll see the Hulk pop up on Monday Night Raw's uh, big anniversary edition coming up in January, Case? No, because Hogan never really had a lot to do with Raw, so I don't think so. But I think down the line, there were just military trucks going by. It was like with tanks. They know Chris Cody's in the house. They weren't tanks. They were just guns, but I like to be like DX and pretend they were tanks. They're heading to Atlanta. They're heading to Atlanta. They're heading to the uh, Nitro. They come here, they're like, let Chris Cody go. Hey, open up, open up. That was pretty cool. That, that was one of the uh, one of the two people that I really wanted to meet. I remember as a kid going to see them uh, at, at several house shows in Ottawa. And a, and a good friend of my brother's and I, uh, Brad Purvis, his dad, Steve Purvis, would drive us down to Montreal. And or actually, Ottawa. I think Mr. Purvis actually took us once to Montreal as well. And my uncle, uh, Bill Pazeski, drove us, I think, believe, to Montreal for house shows at the old form. And we used to see Demolition versus... Um, the uh, powers of pain and uh, house shows in Montreal were always awesome, especially the old Montreal Forum. We used to go there to see the Montreal Canadiens play as kids, and it, it's just a special place. It was a, it was always packed. And um, I remember one night Hulk was taken on the Macho Man, I think, in the main event. But the crowd was more into, I think, the demolition match than the actual uh, Hulk Macho match, or equally uh, as well. It always amazed me at how over demolition was because the Road Warriors weren't really, you know, they stayed in the NWA and the AWA so long that the, you know Vince was like, we'll just make our own Road Warriors. And we, they made Demolition. So by the time the Road Warriors came up, everybody loved Demolition so much, the Road Warriors never got a fair shake. 
they changed the name of the Legion of Doom, which bothered me. And then, the, like, they, the, the, I, feel, I feel that the real Road Warriors never got to go to the WWE. They had the cartoon version Legion of Doom. Where you know they made their their shoulder pads more colorful, their tights became more colorful. I just liked it when they wore black tights, and it said Road Warriors or just Warriors in red on the on the leg. You I, know, I was always, I guess, a big WWE WWF mark. I wasn't big into the NWA back in the day, so I didn't really follow them a lot. Although I did have the wrestling magazine, so you would read up on them. That's how but I, I was, followed everything in the NWA. Well, was to read up on them. Well, basically, there was no internet back then, so my insiding source of information was Bill to sneak Apter. was to sneak in. No, I didn't know Mr. Apter, but I uh, sung Sue Pack. I used to go <laughs> to Pack's Variety, who also was my Taekwondo trainer back yeah. in the day, back when I was a little more in the fitness, but I used to sneak in there was two places i could go for my my insider wrestling information one was pax variety and the other was becker's store now i go into becker's store and unfortunately the owner at the time um simmons mr simmons gene he wasn't very um i'm sure he was very uh, successful at running his business but he didn't care for people to come in he used to come over and he'd single me out and he'd say look at kid this ain't the library <laughs> yeah you either buy it or you read it mr pack was a little more friendly hey, look please no, Mr. I, I go to PAX all the time, and I would go at, after school when the because like all the hottest girls in high school worked there. Worked there, yeah, and like and I would go. There. I had a crush on one too. She got me a job there when Mr. Pack was on holidays, and then when he came back, he's like, "We don't hire boys." <laughs> he sacked me. Who did you have? A, who did you have a crush on? Oh, was it? Jan? She was awesome. I, I, you know what? I can't even think of her name now. I can picture her. Oh, I, I remember I used to go there and like... Maybe your last name might have been Verge, maybe. Oh, oh maybe Janice Verge. Yes, I think that... Yeah. I, I think she she was awesome anyways, and she got me a job there until she was like assistant manager until Mr. Pack came back and then he canned me. Yeah, he's like, you know, no, he's like, oh, I teach boys karate. No, 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 <laughs> how to watch videos. They had other good magazines on and top I'm of the wrestling I'm sorry for doing that, that Asian accent, if it's even an Asian accent. He was just... He was from Korea, so... Mr. Pack was the coolest guy around too and then as we got older the, there was all these like stories of Mr. Pack too that he was like the tough and I'm sure he was because he was 10th degree black belt and he no, was, he was the 8th Dan Taekwondo <laughs> I don't even know what that means but it sounds impressive. he fought a tiger one time <laughs> <laughs> he had a picture of him fighting a tagger. We should have had, a, had him wrestle the bear at that at little uh, wrestling show in Armpire at the even, arena. It wouldn't even have been a match. <laughs> it wouldn't even have been a match. Pack is that much better than the bear. But I used to sneak into the store. Well, we'll go into the stores after school and, and, and uh, read all like uh, uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated, the Wrestling Insider, the WWE Magazine, all of them. And, um, you know, I still have an extensive library of all the wrestling magazines. I've fortunately at, at home, I uh, have a huge box with, with all of them in there. And there's a great collection, say, from 2000 or uh, 19, God, 1986, 87 and 88, all the WWE magazines and all the um, Pro Wrestling Illustrated and especially an extensive collection right around the WrestleMania. I had uh, a great selection of them uh, th there as well. Do you remember, like... Like, I used to read all the Victory Sports series, like Pro Wrestling Illustrated, The Wrestler, Inside Wrestling. Um, I loved all of them. And then WWF Magazine came out, and it was all glossy. And then she's like, why the fuck am I? I'm getting my fucking fingers black off of these bullshit magazines. 
They, I like used to like they used to do the ranking. They used to rank the wrestlers in the, in, the, in different. Well, I guess they rank them, and they'd have WWF, and then they'd have uh, NWA, but then they'd also have top ten. And I used to find it fascinating how. They, and then the tag teams as well. I used to like when they did their rankings. I used to always like taking uh, the AWA, NWA, and uh, and WWF, and looking at all their champions and be like, who's the best? This guy, and then the second person, which is all their uh, intercontinental uh, U.S. title. And whatever else in AWA, I don't think they had another title. But I'd be like, who's the second best? And then I'd go, and at each level, I would say, okay, Lex Luger's clearly the best guy out of this. So, And I would see, like, NWA would win, like, three. WWF would win, like, seven. And, like, actually, that's not right. Six. And maybe AWA would win one, maybe. You know, uh, they'd win, like, the tenth spot because... I don't know. Boris Zukov might have been better than Bastion Booger at some point. So, <laughs> I remember uh, the, going back to WrestleMania six. So it was an absolute, an incredible experience. We bought some awesome merchandise. Poor mom, we were hosing her pretty good. We got hats, we got shirts, we got the fingers, we got everything. And I wish to this day I still had some of the, uh, the coolest WrestleMania six uh, hat and T-shirt that I'm sure is somewhere my mom has kept it away for a special occasion. But uh, I remember at halftime, anytime I went to a wrestling event, I always tried to. See sneak down to the floor and also tried to get into places where I wasn't supposed to be. So I, I did actually get managed to get to the floor at the halftime. And I remember as I snuck down, I saw Rhythm and Blues were just getting ready to drive out in their Cadillac. And I told their chauffeur that he should stick with wrestling, that he might have a great future in it. You're so full of shit. <laughs> okay, maybe that didn't happen. <laughs> maybe that didn't happen exactly as I... Hey, come on, Casey. It was how fools, did, how did you even know he was a wrestler? No, that was Diamond Dallas Page, of course. But I remember I got I got to the floor, and, uh, and then you and your brother bumped into these other two guys, Christian and Edge. I mean, Adam and, <laughs> and I said you guys should form and Jay. Yeah, you guys should form the Brooder. And he said you guys are you guys are really awesome. <laughs> you guys reek of awesomeness. I remember with my mom's old camera, I must have taken two rolls of film. And the funny thing was, we were the seats weren't bad. We were I think we we're in the one hundred level, but or second level, we we're up a little high. But I took more pictures of the, what was the old uh, Jumbotron there at the Skydome? All my pictures were of the screen. Not, yeah, not, the Skydome, the Trinitron, the, the Tony tr Trinitron. Yeah, all my pictures were of the screen. Yeah, that's ridiculous. You're like, well, the ring's so far away. <laughs> I don't know. I know, I know you're like this too. Like, when I go to venues that have hosted major wrestling events, I go there and then I just think about the wrestling, even though I'm there for something else. Like, when I went to the Pontiac Silverdome for a Detroit Lions Tampa Bay Buccaneers game, I was in the nosebleeds and I was like, looking at the 50 yard line, I'm like, yeah, I could watch Hogan and Andre go at it from up here. That wouldn't be so bad. You know, you'd think it would be horrible, but no, I don't think it'd be so bad. I remember when we went to Albany, New York to see Kiss in the Pepsi Arena. I was like, Pepsi Arena? This Nick, is Knickerbocker, Knickerbocker Arena, Arena Casey. Yeah. Knickerbocker Arena. Knickerbocker Arena. And, yeah, you and brought all I thought of about was fucking Ric Flair and the 92 Rumble and how great that was. I don't like, I'm in the arena of one of my favorite matches. I had my favorite Rumble of all time and one of my favorite matches, the 92 Rumble. Ric Flair's Rumble was the fucking best. That 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 night that you're referencing was a very awesome night, and we've seen the greatest rock and roll band of all time, a little better than Van Halen, I think, Casey, and I'm sure you'd agree with me. But that night, thanks to one of my brother's buddies, uh, we were, I guess we overindulged a little bit, and I remember that whole event 
it was just like watching or listening to Kiss a live track one playing in my head, even though it didn't matter what they were saying. But that was that was a fun night. I missed oh. I, I missed the fact that I didn't get the shirt. I was there, Albany, New York, for that. I'm, I'm a little upset I didn't get the shirt. That was a, a really fun Kiss concert too, and it was good. Like back in the day when it was like the reunion, it was '96, and the four original four were together, and it was still fresh. It was good. It was know? awesome. And I talked about this on a previous podcast with Ken Reed from Sportsnet. I said, do you think that Kiss gets treated in music the way wrestling gets treated in sports? And he was like, yes. And I was like, yeah, it doesn't get the respect that it deserves. Like, people are like, oh, you like Kiss, and they roll their eyes. Kiss is for kids. Like, no, Kiss is for fucking kids that grow up to be adults. <laughs> and then those adults have a lot of money and can spend $2,000 on a fucking vault from Gene Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> When's Gene? Is he coming here today, Casey, to drop it off? Is you, that Gene pulling up here now? Oh, yeah. He's like, I there will, he is. I will come to your house. I'm Gene Simmons from Kiss. <laughs> I will personally hand deliver you. I will hand vault. deliver you. Just like you. The ultimate collection for $2,000. I live five hours away from an airport, Gene. You still going to bring it up? <laughs> well, uh, maybe you come to me. <laughs> Gene calls you on the phone. Casey. Where is Calabogie? <laughs> but to finish up on the WrestleMania 6, the, the main event was absolutely awesome at the time, as you well know. It was uh, champion versus champion, and it was face versus face. And I wasn't really sure. I think I went there cheering for the Hulk, and I left somewhere through the during the match. I actually was rooting for the Warrior, and the finish was absolutely awesome. You got to remember, you're a kid, so it's everything. It just seems awesome, and they, and everybody standing up, and the the very the actual finish when the Warrior pinned the Hulk, and then he came back in the ring and gave him the belt, and the the cool fireworks going off. And yeah, it was awesome, and it, and it was uh, it was I think it led to your victory in the ADHS Student Council when you stole stole the warriors gimmick i know for someone who says i never really liked the ultimate warrior i stole his gimmick i stole his poster i, I uh, saw a picture on your podcast page or your facebook page of you that i remember i know i remember that that's the coolest poster in the history of empire district high school a picture of you press slamming victory which was awesome <laughs> i stole your stick a few years later and was a had a successful run myself but my big thing was toilet paper i okay. did i did the apollo creed entrance from like his original music from rocky one and then and my big uh, my big thing was on toilet paper soft toilet paper it worked what was on soft toilet paper when I ran for student council back back in the day in high school. Oh, that was what your platform was? My platform was on soft toilet paper. I was tired of the sandpaper. Oh, in the washrooms. In the washrooms. The, the little napkin things. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And did you and did you follow through and get it done? Well, of course. Absolutely. And then as soon as you got it done, you fucking left. You dropped out of high school? I, I did finish the term, apparently. You I, didn't, yeah. you're, you're, no. you know, I don't think Trump's going to finish his either. But, you know, he's going to Chris <laughs> Cody out at any minute. I should have been. I should have ran for president, but I wanted to. I wanted to follow in your footsteps. And oh, you were secretary? I was secretary. Yeah, I, wanted to, I went for the ring. Yeah, of course. The ring is the best. <laughs> the ring. Let's talk about one of my favorite stories. So you, you, there's a card at the Robert Gouter Arena. You go by yourself. You're there early, right? Yep. And you just decide to walk around and try opening doors? Well, I had a lot of friends back then, and none of them wanted to come with me to wrestling, apparently. And I remember asking my brother that night. We were, at the time, we were both, I guess we were both in, uh, we were going to Algonquin College in Ottawa. And uh, I'd asked him and a couple of buddies. I couldn't find any, and to be honest, I couldn't find anybody to go to the show. And it was a good show. I, I can't honestly remember the whole card, but I said, my brother was going to a party that night with some buddies. And he said, we're going to be down in the Ottawa market, which is near Ottawa, downtown Ottawa. There's Hull, Quebec, uh, which is French, 
right, right across in the Quebec side. On the river, across uh, the river. Right across the river. So they're very close. Like they're within, you know, you just drive across the bridge and you're into a, this, this, the city of Hull, which is mostly French speaking. So they had a really good house show at the Bob Gerté Arena where the, uh, the hockey, the Hull hockey team played. And I got my brother to drop me off and he said, listen, just after the show, just come over to uh, downtown in the market and we'll hook up. And that's eventually, I guess, what happened. So he dropped me off at the show. And I was going to walk into the front door and buy a ticket. But before I did that, I just, I think actually I had to go to the bathroom. I really had to go to the bathroom really bad. So he dropped me off. And I don't know if the gates were open yet or the ticket box office was open. So I walked around the back door and I just pulled on a door and I walked in and I went to the bathroom. I was just about to walk out and come back around and buy a ticket. And I thought, well, I'm in the arena. What am I doing? Just walk, walk right into the arena. What's the worst they're going to say? Leave. So I walked in. And they were shooting a TV promo for TVA, one of the local French stations. And it was Mark Merrill uh, with his beautiful wife, Sable. Okay. Wife of current. Brock Lesnar. The wife of the undisputed Brock Lesnar. I can't even do Paul Heyman. Go on. And, and, they, and I'm standing there and they shot the whole thing basically in French. Uh, but Mark, of course, spoke in English. But it was a little uh, spot for the uh, local news just to remind everybody the wrestling show. And that's when things just all of a sudden, it went from just a one-off, I'm going to a house show by myself, to probably the coolest night of wrestling I've ever experienced. So I was standing there with a, there was a few, like a little, no, there might have been five or ten people standing around. And I was just trying to act. You know when you're in a place and you know you're not supposed to be in that place? Yeah. And you're just thinking to yourself, just act normal. Yeah. Look around. You know, I'm supposed to be here. Yeah. Be cool. And it's before... It's before having phones because now you can just pull out your phone. Somebody sees you. You can just go on your phone and pretend you're busy and not make eye contact. And they're like, yeah, that guy's just on his phone. It's no big deal. He's just standing back. <laughs> it's so easy now. But back then, you didn't have that distraction. So you had to like sort of blend in. So no, so nobody, I'm just standing there and I'm thinking, okay, what am I going to do? I'm going to, and then I start getting second thoughts like that. Maybe I shouldn't be in here. Maybe I should just go buy a ticket. <laughs> and uh, all of a sudden, some guy just out of the blue. Uh, after they they finished up their uh, interview, comes up to me, and he taps me on the shoulder and he says, "Can I talk to you for a second? And I thought, "Oh, here we go. I'm in trouble now, big time." And it's Dave. I recognize the guy. It's Dave Hebner. Dave Hebner of the WWF, one yeah. of the one of the referees who was the agent, the the acting house agent, the house show agent that night. And I I wasn't aware really at the time. So he pulled me off to the side and he said, "Who are you here with?" And I thought, "For sure, here's here it is. I'm 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 done." I, I said, I'm here by myself. Where are you sitting? And I just kind of pointed up in the stands. There's nobody there yet. And it's a kind of a small arena. He said, I need a big favor. And I thought to myself, Dave Hebner is asking me for a favor. I said, sure, absolutely. What do you need? He said, do you know this area? Casey, I know Hull, Quebec, like Dallas, Texas. And I looked at him and I said, yes, absolutely. I know this area like the back of my hand. He said, can you come with me? He said, we need to get some beer for the boys. I'm like, absolutely. So I went with Dave Hebner back through the curtain into around the locker room area where I seen, recognized some of the wrestlers, which was they were getting ready for the show. We go outside into the parking lot. We jump into a, a car rental that he had. It was like a brand new Cadillac DeVille, light gold, beautiful car. And he says, okay, he says, where do we go? Well, I didn't know Hull from a hole in the ground. But one thing I did know is that every single corner store in the, in the province of Quebec sells booze. Yeah. So I said, go out here, turn right. 
turn left, and then the first convenience store, I said, pull over here, right here, right here. So I went in the convenience store with Mr. Hebner. He bought two cases of beer. He bought some pop. He bought some Coke. And then he bought some lottery tickets. I was laughing because he, he loved his lottery tickets. As we were getting back to the arena, he looked at his watch. He said, oh, God. He said, the show is going to start soon. The show is going to start soon. So he's like, listen, can you park this thing and bring the keys in? He said, if <laughs> anybody questions you, he says, just tell them you're with me. Tell them you're with Dave Hebner. I'm like, okay, Mr. Hebner, no problem at all. So I'd be like 18 years old, 19 years old, and here I am parking parking this you know, Cadillac rental. And he grabbed the, the stuff, he put it in some bags, and he carried it in. So I go in. And then every security, I just said, I'm with, I'm with Dave Hebner. And they're like, okay, go ahead. It worked at, like at the back door, the front door, side door, curtain, everywhere. So when we, we, when I got back in and I gave him back his keys and I could tell the show was getting, you know, very close to starting. He said, who, who are you here with again? I said, I'm not here with anybody. He said, where are you sitting? I said, well, I'm just sitting out there. He said, well, I said, can I stay back here? And he just looked at me. He said, sure. He said, why don't you sit with this guy? And it was, uh, he's still with the WWE. I saw him at a, at a house show in Ottawa a couple years ago. His first, I think it's Derek. He, he basically, he's in charge of selling merchandise at all, all the events for WWE. Now he's been, he's from Toronto, good old Toronto boy mm -hmm. hired by Jack Tunney back in the day. So I sat with him in the penalty box and he had a really cool job that night. He played on the old cassette tapes, the entrance music. And after the match, he played the, and it was amazing. It was almost like he had special powers. Like he knew who was going to win the match because he had the music ready for the guy that won every yeah. time. He nailed it every time to this day. I'm still not sure how he knew that, but he did. <laughs> now let's go back. You're in the car with Dave Havner. <laughs> what are you asking him? Because oh. you're asking him questions. <laughs> I know you are. What are you asking Dave Hebner? Well, are you asking him about how? I'm asking Teddy, him about I, the main event, Ted DiBiase, the Andre the Giant. That's that, okay. That's you're exactly, about that. I'm I'm all over him about that. And I said, you will be tempted by the dark side to turn on Brett in a few years, but don't. And he looked at me, what the hell are you talking about? But no, <laughs> you said no, I didn't. <laughs> no, I never said that. I was all over him about the main event. I remember the main event. Uh, you know, to this back then, that was when I met Dave Hebner. That was the first thing I, I. It wasn't the first question I asked him, but it, I asked about three soft ones. And and they were gunning the right towards that. And he's like, I get asked about this all the time. You know, and I think he was just trying to be, be nice. And he just like, you know, uh, just part of the show. <laughs> but when, what did you, you asked him about the ultimate warrior? Did you not? I did. I, I made a reference, I, I think, to the warrior, and, and he didn't have much of, um, uh, he didn't have many good things to say about uh, him. He told me that he was crazy. That's so funny. I thought you were like, what is the ultimate warrior like that son of a bitch <laughs> <laughs> he did he, he did actually uh, uh, he, he wasn't a he wasn't a huge fan of his when I um, when we went back though to the arena and then I was sitting uh, with, the, with the gentleman that was looking after the music his job too was everybody all these guys at the wrestling have, have different jobs so one of the guys Hebner actually came up and said hey go sweep out the ring so I said listen I said do you mind can I go sweep out the ring and he said they're like yeah sure go for it the under the ring so there the, 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 there was people in this in the crowd like that it was probably about a quarter a quarter full or a half full so i i get up from the penalty box i strut down the ring with my macho uh, strut and i'm thinking to myself this is 
awesome. I pull out the uh, the broom, throw it into the ring, jump up on the apron as I've always wanted to do. It was the one and only time until after the event uh, that night I actually stepped inside a WWF squared circle. That was absolutely. I put th- threw my leg up over the second rope and crawled in like I was getting ready to, to main event WrestleMania. Swept out the ring as best I could, and then after that I started having a little fun. I started doing the Hulk Hogan uh, flex and then the, the ear signal to the crowd and then somebody one of the officials come down and said hey buddy get out of the ring <laughs> were you getting reactions oh yeah a little bit it was a little bit it was, it was actually kind of fun but then then i started to realize at that point when i was standing in the ring that basically for this night this was going to be like a night on another that i'd ever experienced where basically i had made friends with dave hebner who was in charge of the, the event that night and i could basically almost go anywhere that i wanted and talk to just about anybody i wanted to at the time there was um, stone cold was basically he was on the on the way up he may have been at the time i think he was uh, wrestling he was either the intercontinental champion or he was in an intercontinental champion uh, triple threat match but he was on the rise so then i wanted to start to meet some of the guys so then i just started hanging out backstage because the event was just just getting closer to start and i remember that night stone cold steve austin was awesome i walked up to him and i said hey i'm a huge fan he gave me a big high five uh, some of the guys in the back are discreetly drinking beer but not stone cold on this night it, the beer wasn't the drink of choice he was pounding the ryan coke he was pounding the ryan coke he was he was right out of her and this was like a, an hour and a half before his match they were the boys were all in the back having a great old time he gave me a big high five shot the breeze with him for a little bit i also remember meeting owen hart he was extremely nice met met just about everybody actually the one person i didn't get to meet that night he was there but he just kind of kept to himself was the undertaker he but of course we'll we did get to meet him a few years later but uh, oh yeah well, well i'm sure we'll get to that casey i'm sure you're dying to get to that but he just kept to himself i never really seen him came in he was in a room he was all he was kind of isolated everybody else was together stone cold was with everybody but the undertaker was basically all by himself and uh so we watched the whole night right at the right at the penalty box and then after the event was over I, I stuck around and that's when I met for the first time hell of a nice guy one of the nicest guys I've ever met in my life a great guy Jimmy Corderas who was the referee but of course you don't know these things he was also set, in charge of setting up and tearing down the ring so I actually stayed there after the event was over for a couple hours and proceeded to help Jimmy Corderas tear down the ring and they had a big truck that they loaded the ring up I think they were heading to Toronto for the next night and basically helped him tear down the ring and uh, basically loaded it up into his truck, jumped in the truck with him. It was a big truck, a big cube truck, and he dropped me off. He went into Ontario and dropped me off uh, down by the market, and then I, I ended up meeting up with my brother and, and, and his friends that night, uh, much later that night. He was very nice, genuine, sincere, and then I, I used to see him at a, a quite a few wrestling shows after that, and he always took time to stop and say hello. Really good guy, Su- super, super good guy. But didn't he leave? Well, didn't like the best seats are the best seats I've ever had at wrestling for WWE. He left us those tickets because you helped tear down the ring. He said, I think he, he, you told me like, yeah, I can get tickets to Jimmy because he said next time I come down he'll get us tickets. Yeah, and we were second row on the aisle. Yep, for a house show with Shawn Michaels and Mankind in the main event. Yes, before Mind Games. Yeah, and that card was fucking phenomenal. And the best match was the triple threat match for the IC title with the IC champ Hunter Hearst Helmsley with China against Stone Cold Steve Austin 
and Bret the Hitman Hart. Yeah. And that match was fucking phenomenal. And I've got my favorite wrestling picture ever where um, Bret Hart is like about to ram Stone Cold's head into the railing right in front of us. <laughs> and it was like the fucking best. Was that in, was that at the Krell Center, like the Ottawa house show? Was that in Ottawa or, or was that in Hull? That was in Ottawa at the house show at the Krell Center. And that, that was that not the same night too that The Rock came out and cut a promo that night? He was on the card and actually came out and did the, the stick about, uh, we've set an attendance record here tonight and everybody was cheering and going nuts. And then he said, we've set an attendance record for the largest gathering at Trailer Park Trash in the history of this place. <laughs> And I thought, that guy is awesome. He came out on a house show and cut a promo. Nobody did promos like at a house show. It was awesome. That was awesome. Oh, man. He was so... That was so good. That card was so good. I remember when... as Just as the wrestling... Going back to the, the night at Hull at the uh, Robert Curtin Arena, just as, we, as the show had ended, so all the guys were getting ready in the back, I had bumped into um, Owen Hart again, and I, I asked him in the nicest possible way. I believe he was the tag team champion at yes, the time. with Yoko probably. And I said, listen, could I, would, would you mind? Could I please get a picture taken with your belt? And he said, absolutely. And he just handed me his belt. And then I said, do you mind if I could get a picture and if I could just take it out to the ring? The, the people were leaving. He said, absolutely. So I'm pretty sure it was Jimmy Corderas or it was Derek, the guy that was running the music. They took a picture of me inside the ring and I'm kneeling down and I've got the belt over my shoulder and I'll have to dig that up for you for you and hopefully you can get that up on the, a few other good pictures from that night. Yeah, uh, that would be awesome. So let's move on to uh, where are we going to go to next? Let's go. So this is always funny. So my mom is a huge wrestling fan. Uh, my dad... If there was one thing that my that my my dad would do, like my dad's an honest person, but if there's one thing he was dishonest about was we always had an illegal cable box, we always had an illegal cable. He, he my, we've always had illegal cable. That's why. I Thank loved, God you did. Thank I, God you did. Well, because of the illegal cable, we were one of the only people in Iron Pryor that had TNT and the USA Network, so we had the full out. Monday Night Wars, no TSN bullshit, no waiting the next day for Nitro. No, we had them. And you would come over at 7 and watch fucking wrestling for four hours with my mom every Monday night. And, like, my mom, like, she was a wrestling fan. She was. She was. I was an, an official member of the family. That was a Monday night tradition. And I remember I used to call. And the odd, the one, like you were gone. You were already gone to school. I was you were, living in Ottawa. You, you were gone. And your brother was around sometimes. And your sister, your sister was here sometimes. But it didn't matter. It was just if I call up and I'd say, listen, do you mind if I come over and watch wrestling? Oh, no, no, not, not a problem. And I remember I had so many wonderful times. It was like we'd come over. And they always made me feel so welcome. And your mom was huge, huge wrestling fan. She loves Stone Cold. And we'd, we'd watch wrestling. And uh, I remember the coolest thing was that your parents would always offer me Pepsi. And the cool thing was, you want another one? Just go help yourself. And I remember going into your fridge. Yeah. And it's funny. We're sitting in, in your living room right now. And I, I, it's, it's nothing but great memories. I would open the fridge door. And your parents had a thing where you, you basically just take your Pepsi and another one would drop down. And yeah. I used to think that was the coolest thing. It was I, I come here some nights, have two or three Pepsis. Your dad would make nachos. And <laughs> it, 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 and we just, you know, he'd have a, we just watched the 
wrestling. You're, you're, you're hanging out with my dad. And, and like, little did you know that in the next 10 years, your office would be next to his. <laughs> well, I had foreseen it, of course. No, uh, but it was great, great memories. And it was, it was funny. I, I, I really got along with your parents and, and your mom. And, and it was amazing because I ended up working, as you know, down in Disney World in Florida for a year. Yeah. And, and I'm sure through the Monday Night Wars, my mom wanted to come down to visit me. But my dad, I, I don't know if he, if he didn't love me or whatnot. He, he didn't feel the need to come down. No. But your mom actually came with my mom down to visit me in Disney. And I believe, and you can correct me, that was maybe the first time she was ever on a on a plane. On a plane. And, you, and she didn't really hang out with your mom either. <laughs> like, did you ever think about that? Like, hell's bells and my mom. They, didn't, they don't hit the town. I got I have a picture that I got to get you. It's a picture of me and uh, your mom and my mom and about 15 nuns at the Epcot Center. And the nuns were getting a picture and we just photobombed it. Oh we just said, come on, we got to get in your picture here. Yeah. <laughs> That's, and my mom would have been all for that because my mom liked doing funny pictures. And my mom said that they had a blast. Like it was, it was awesome. The ladies were lighting her up in Orlando. They were having a lot of fun. Oh my God. I can only imagine. Good old days at the La Salle, uh, at the Epcot Center at the Canadian Pavilion back in 98, 99, the glory years. Do you remember, uh, do you remember where you were the day that Owen Hart passed away? Yes, I, I remember the next night for sure because I was watching Monday Night Raw. But where were you the day of Owen Hart's passing? Um, I know where you were. I wasn't in Kansas City. Where you were at the Memorial Cup Championship in Ottawa, <laughs> watching the Ottawa 67s beat the uh, Calgary Hitmen. You know what? That was that was May '99, um, and your brother was very was nice enough to to hold me a ticket, and I was home for two weeks from Disney visiting a surprise visit. I was on a one year contract working at the Epcot Center at the uh, Canadian Pavilion in Florida. And I come home for two weeks to uh, visit uh, my family, and we used to, we still do go to a beautiful cottage up in Ferguson Lake, owned by George and Mamie Sarosky, and now Hostel Takeover. Their daughter uh, Sandra and Wally look after it. Great spot. But I went to that game and actually met Bret Hart at the intermission. Yeah, was that that was the day? I yeah, we met Bret Hart that day. Bret Hart. That's why I think of like that's got to be a really bad day for Bret because like his hockey team that's named after him lost. He hops on a plane, go to L.A., and on the way there, the pilots tell him the news. We, I drove home that night. I came here, and I watched the pay-per-view in, like, in the room right there where we are now. Yep. And uh, I'll never forget that. My mom looked at me, and she's like, you know, it was just, it was just horrible. And, uh, you know, my mom looked at me, and, like, I'm already a comedian at that point. And I only know how to cope with laughs, with jokes. Like, my mom's like, are you going to be okay? And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, what do you think? And I'm like, it just feels really bad. It's going to be, you know, a long night for The Undertaker. He's got to defend his title, and then he's got to go to work at the funeral parlor, you know. <laughs> and my mom just looked at me. She's like, yeah, you'll be okay. And But I was devastated it, it was like that was awful. it's the one pay-per-view that I, I have not went back and watched yeah and it's, know, cra- it's, it's crazy tough. you see these these I have it on VHS though. these idiots on 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 YouTube they say that they claim that they have video of the night and the, of course that video does not exist nobody had video of no, the night because no. everybody was watching the screen then you click on it the, the idiots that want to see it and then it shows some video from like an EC like it's not even the same event not even yeah. the same
same people. But I do. I was here. I was actually at your parents' house here the next night, and I remember. I think Stone Cold came out and did the big uh, the beer salute at the end. I do remember that because I was home uh, and uh, I was here the the next night, and that was that was very upsetting. Yeah, it was it was tragic. Um, so now we are in the. Uh, What's that, Survivor Series 97? Well, remember, we went to Monday Night Raw in, uh, in Ottawa, but I think you had a lead on tickets for the Survivor Series, but well, something I, happened that no, you didn't... No, I, I could have went to the Survivor Series, but here's the thing. I already knew that Glenn Kalka was going to introduce me to Bret Hart at the Monday Night Raw uh, in Ottawa, because I knew Glenn Kalka back then, who played in the CFL, and he was being trained by Bret Hart to wrestle, and he was making his debut at that Raw on the undercard before television. So in my mind, I was like, I hadn't been to a Buffalo Bills game ever, and I had a chance to go to a Bills game or go to Survivor Series, and I knew I was going to Monday Night Raw. So you picked the Buffalo Bills over the Survivor Series? Yes. And to me, it was a no-brainer, because I knew Brett wasn't going to lose the title. It's in Canada. And to have him lose the title in Canada would be just pretty much like blowing his mind out you know it's just what's what does he say in the, the fucking documentary it just wouldn't make any sense you know I remember I got home from Buffalo about one in the morning and uh, my phone light was fucking blanking and there were so many messages and half of them were you you're like did you watch this pay-per-view did you see and i hadn't i'd videotaped it because i had a legal cable box in ottawa obviously a lot of illegal boxes running around back like then like maybe it. still to this day no nope, you just stream it <laughs> <laughs> you just stream it um so so or you sneak into my or you or I, I remember your dad with the remote too he, he he handled that remote for the television the illegal dish just as clint eastwood did back in fistful of dollars oh yeah. he could spin it around and then when your mom would go in to get us some more pepsi he's like I got some other channels here too. <laughs> oh no, Daddy's channel. Daddy's channel. Oh. Yeah. Just for a couple of seconds, and then he just—I <laughs> yeah, forgot about that. He used to do that. That was uh, awesome. Porn channels, Jesus Christ! But I remember you and I, and uh, I think your brother and my brother, we had planned to go to Monday Night Raw. No, it wasn't. Blake was not there. Blake, it was it, me, you. We all went to Raw. We were yeah. like eighth row on the floor. Oh, they were incredible seats. Didn't you catch Gold Dust's cigar? Um, uh, or your brother did? I think my brother did but we were the cameras were right behind us and we were looking straight on at the stage like we you know that raw ends on me putting up my sign and it ends up with me putting up my sign like in a yes chant and it's like and it says usa below me <laughs> because maybe because it was during the the wars and we're not supposed to like america but at the same time i was just saying maybe i was just trying to say usa is below me because i, I think that's probably the point you're trying to make but i do remember that night i think glenn Kalka did debut uh and uh, maybe andrew martin or test was there too edge did and edge, edge and you you actually watch. were you were chatting with them earlier in uh in the uh marshy's marshy's yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. that's well, yeah, because we were. Trying. Everybody was there, but Brett. Well, he no, no, but everybody was not wrestling. There was everybody boycotted the show. Remember, there was yes. all these wrestlers that weren't on the show. It was crazy. Like, none of the Hart Foundation were there. The Godwins were not there. Barry Windham had left. Mick Foley had left. Like three quarter, a quarter, like at least two half the roster did not perform that night, and then the other half that did performed, and they were they were all fine. Like. um do you remember that was his, the, the the blackjacks the new blackjacks was Barry Windham and and Bradshaw and Bradshaw he had the and big then all of a sudden uh, Barry Windham's gone and the friggin the New Age Outlaws beat up Blackjack 
Yeah. And we're like, what the fuck's going on? Where's Barry Windham? And then like, Butterbean was also there that night because we got a picture with Butterbean. You weren't in it, but me, your brother, <laughs> Billy, McClymont, and maybe, are you in the picture? I can't remember if I, you're in the picture. I can't remember. But, oh, no, no, it's me, Butterbean, Scott, and uh, Billy McClymont. Because I would look over, I'm like, fuck, there's Butterbean. And then we went over, got a picture with Butterbean. He could not believe that we knew who he was. That night, that was that was an interesting night. But the, my second, well, the second memorable encounter with wrestling, wrestling and wrestlers actually happened the following night. And of course, this was probably one of the best wrestling stories aside from my night in Hull. It started uh, out horrible with with you. And we were back then, of course, WWE taped wrestling. They taped Monday night. They did a live Monday night Raw, and then they taped the following night uh, at a local town. So you and I had made made a pact that we were going to go to Cornwall to see Monday Night Raw. Well, not only well not not only that. Well, Glenn Kalka said he was leaving us tickets, and we were going to go. <laughs> and, and we were in. We were in. We were in. We drove an hour and a half to your Cornwall. old car. I forget what it was. It was awesome. Just a beater. It was awesome. We drove an hour and a half to Cornwall. Two hours. We got down two hours. Two hours. We got down there. No tickets. Go up to Will Call. I Casey Corbett. I'm looking for, and they're like nothing. And we're like, what? So then we try to buy tickets, and I'll I'll never forget this. This is awesome. Well, we walked around the building. They're sold. They're sold out. So they're sold out. Sold out. So I said, Casey, hey, listen, no problem. We'll just go scalp tickets. So we go outside and we start asking people, and they're looking at us like we have two heads. They're like scalpers. This is Cornwall. There's no scalpers in Cornwall. And at that moment, it suddenly realized we're in big trouble. So then I thought, well, maybe Jimmy. So we tried to get in the building and try to get talking to Jimmy Corderas, and nobody nobody would, would do that. And thank God, for the love of God, you wore a Lone Star Cafe sweater that night. Jacket, yeah. A jacket. And we were talking. We were in this, this group of people. And somehow this guy just looked at us and he could tell, he could probably tell the look on our faces if we were obviously, I don't, I don't think we were balling, but we were desperate. And defeated. And he said, guys, what's going on? And he said, hey, nice jacket, Lone Star, that's awesome. And he said, what are you guys, you guys going to the show? And remember you 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 started chatting up with him and said, no. He said, listen, we drove down here two hours from Arm Prior. Oh, I know where Arm Prior is. And he's like, uh, we, we don't have tickets. We're, there's a miscommunication. We don't have tickets. And then the guy just said, how many guys? And you said, me and my buddy. And he said, just just wait here. Just wait here. And then the guy disappeared, and he came back a couple minutes, and he gave us two tickets for the wrestling, and I think two backstage passes, which I still have laminated still at home. Yeah. And the guy turned out to be, he owned the local Harley Davidson dealership in Cornwall. And back then, I think uh, DOA. Uh, my buddy, uh, Fake Undertaker, and those guys used to come to town and they just they just, they just swung a deal with the local Harley shop where they'd basically use their bikes and then they get a bunch of comp tickets. So he gave us two tickets. They were awesome seats, by the way. They were, they were, they were yeah, 20 rows up on the, on the camera side uh, and they were they were excellent and, th- and then that we so missed the first couple matches we missed glenn Kalka's match but he didn't get his fucking tickets anyways <laughs> how's he doing now anyway i haven't talked to him in years <laughs> but um but then we got like what we did get to see was we, history in the making <laughs> we got to see rick rude's last wwf appearance ever and that was also the night that he appeared on nitro at the same time and wwe at the same time different suits 
different looks. <laughs> he's wearing a beard and a and a brown suit in Cornwall, and then he was wearing a gray suit and no beard on Nitro. He was in Nitro colors, and that's to me was a big deal. But then the card, uh, the card itself, um, that was also the night where Sergeant Slaughter they were cutting the promo with him, and they wore the DX wore the shields with the with the wipers because he's <laughs> Sergeant Slobber. They did that, and they. I remember Kane came out and destroyed. Uh, was it the midgets? Yeah, that was awesome. Do you remember how uh, bad Kem Shamrock's promo was? And he tried to be like, <laughs> Bret Hart's my friend. And he, and it was like, it never made it to air. They cut it out. It was so fucking bad. It's like, let's let Kem Shamrock make a promo. And like, he's not ready for that yet. Um, then there was, uh, you know, a bunch. It was an average Raw at best. So afterwards, we have backstage passes. We don't even know what the fuck to do with them. And we've, and we've got... We have no we, idea to do with them. We have no idea where to go. And I've got my mom's camera, Hell's Bells' camera, and with only... Getting low on pictures. All, getting low no, on pictures. No, all, uh, no, I think... I know. I thought I... I remember... I, I thought I had the disposable camera. Or no, one of us had a disposable camera, but all we had were like, fuck, I brought the wrong camera. These are hunt camp pictures. <laughs> and uh, so I had like two pictures left. I was mm-hmm. like, we have to wait for the best... Because ra- we didn't know where we're going, but my logic was... As long as we stand in the docking bay where everybody leaves through, we'll fucking get to meet everybody. You, we went with your hunch, and it turned out to be absolutely correct because they all had to come through there. And I think that one of the first guys we met was a Big big Vader. Well, Vader locked he, his he was, keys. He was in an ugly mood. He locked his keys in his car. Does anybody know how to get keys in a car? <laughs> it's like once you use your elbow, you fucking... <laughs> Take your lie. mask and smash your face. Yeah, use one of those big horns from your helmet, you fucking idiot. <laughs> It's time. It's time. It's lock your keys in the car time. So he, um, he, he appeared, I remember, and then a few of the other guys. But we were waiting for the big... Brian Christopher we, was the we, first guy we talked to. We, and, and we, but we were wait, We had a pack. We were waiting for Stone Cold and The Undertaker. Yeah, those, those were the, were two, the guys. Those were the two you guys, you and I had basically... And I wanted to... I had met Stone Cold before, previously in Hull. Great guy. But I had never met The Undertaker. And I thought to myself that this was the chance. We're never going to get a better chance than having backstage pass. But everybody sort of came out. The Undertaker was in the last match, but everybody sort of came out, you know, the later they were. Like, because remember, Brian Christopher came out, and then Devin Storm came out, who was Crowbar later on. You know, I remember Farouk was like, uh, Ron Simmons was like, damn, it's cold. <laughs> and he was with Ahmed Johnson, and I remember Ahmed Johnson had the biggest back I'd ever seen in my life. I was like, come on, Ron, you played in the CFL, you played in Hamilton. He's like, it wasn't cold like this. You know, it was like, <laughs> and uh, so they, they would all come out, and then uh, Brian Lee and Stone Cold come walking out, and then uh, what happened? So what happened there? Well, I, I, I was a huge Undertaker fan, and, and Stone Cold, again, was on his way up, but he hadn't reached, like, the pinnacle. He was extremely popular, but he wasn't the man. But I was so excited to see the fake Undertaker, I started asking Brian Lee all these crazy questions. Like, were you really in his wedding? Were you in the Undertaker's wedding? Like, just stupid questions. You Which know? wedding? One or two at that time? <laughs> trying, again, trying to ask important questions to make it sound like you know what you're talking about, when unfortunately you just end up sounding like a complete idiot. And here we are. We have Stone Cold Steve Austin and 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 what's his name? Brian Lee. Brian Lee. And I'm asking Brian Lee questions instead of Stone Cold. I remember I asked Stone Cold a couple of simple. Hey, listen, Stone Cold loved to hunt and fish. If you ever want to come up hunting in Canada, I'm sure he gets that all the time. I, I shook his hand and then I think I just grabbed a camera and said, "Take a picture." So I handed you the camera, Casey. So you took a picture of. I, I should have asked Mr. Lee to take not a picture only, of not you. Only that, not only that, I took a really good picture. 
of you and Brian Lee and Stone Cold. Yeah. Then which I, I wish like, I never got it. Brian, I wish I could photo. I have to find that picture. I think my mom has it, and and we we got to Photoshop Brian Lee out of that. We and we and, got to Photoshop you in it. And then and then the other one was uh, I was like, well, I want a picture with Stone Cold, so I had to get in between Brian Lee and Stone Cold, and you took it. And it's the worst fucking picture ever. It's terrible. It it's was bad. fuzzy. Yeah. And, and it's off-centered. Like, yours is like, yeah. bam. It's like, fuck. It looks like fucking, you know, fucking Mr. Hansen took this picture. I should have balled, balled up and got Brian Lee to take a nice picture of you and I in Stone Cold. That would have been the best, one of the best pictures ever. Our two pictures are gone. Now, as the story goes, I worked at a Texas restaurant. I worked with this guy named Val Belcher. He told me one time, he said, Casey. You know a guy by the name of The Undertaker? I said, well, everybody knows The Undertaker, Val. Yeah, well, growing up, his daddy and I were best friends. And I was like, well, that's impossible, Val. Everybody knows The Undertaker's daddy died in a funeral parlor fire. <laughs> Burned to death. Burned to terrible, death. terrible death. Yeah, it's horrible. People don't talk about it. Why would Val lie to you? Well, Val didn't even get it. He didn't even know the storyline. And uh, he didn't think that was funny at all. So I'm like, okay. He goes, you do me a favor? I'm like, why? Well, he goes, next time you see The Undertaker? Just tell him how Val Belcher said hello. I'm like, yeah, Val, next time I'm fucking drinking beers or hanging out or just chilling with the fucking taker, man, with the dead man, I'm going to be like, hey, guess what, dead man? <laughs> like, as if at that point in my life, when am I ever going to be in the same room with the fucking Undertaker? Well, you were with Chris Cody, so your odds just increased. <laughs> <laughs> so, sure enough, it's all the wrestlers have gone through. It's the end of the night. There's probably nobody left. No, but no. Everybody took off. Everybody thought remember, everybody was gone. Do you remember how qua how fast Gold Dust fucking tore out of that fucking <laughs> parking lot too? He got in his rental and just fucking because <laughs> people back there were like calling him faggot <laughs> stuff like that. We, you and I had made a pact that the Undertaker hadn't left and we weren't going anywhere till he came out. Till we seen him. So we still had to drive two hours home to Empire too, and it's it's like eleven thirty, twelve o'clock. Gives a shit. It's fucking the Undertaker is the last guy to come out. His hair, it's exactly what you think and believe The Undertaker would look like. Full fucking leather duster trench coat, fucking bandana around shades. his hair, long hair, shades. I don't know if he walks or floats, but it's just fucking weird. As I saw him coming, I thought to myself, there he is. And what were you thinking as he's approaching? I, w I was thinking, I, I was numb, numbed to the knees, and I thought to myself, oh my God, there's there's my hero. There's the guy that I've always wanted to meet. The uh, guy, the guy that, that constantly cheats on his wife. I, 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 <laughs> I, want, I wanted to basically just try to impress him with a cool question. Don't I like to say, I'm, a, uh, you know, I'm such a big fan. What a great match. You're awesome. You're my favorite. I thought when he came up to me, I said, how was the wife and kids? No, you didn't even get to that. No? No. The first thing you did was, like can I take, you, said, you said, can I take your luggage to your tour bus? Oh, yes, yes, yes. And what? then you left us. You left us. And, you, and he just said, he nodded his head because you were already like crazy at this point. <laughs> so you left. And now I'm standing there alone with him. And I was like, oh, this is awkward. And, uh. And then I remembered fucking Val Belcher. I was like, holy fuck, I have something to say. And I'm wearing a Lone Star jacket at the time. Mm -hmm. So I said, hey. Um, that jacket got us in, I said, by the I way. said, Mr. Undertaker. And he looked at me and I said, we have a friend in common. Uh, I work at a Tex-Mex restaurant in Toronto, I mean, Canada and in Ottawa called Lone Star Cafe. And it's owned by a big old Texan from uh, by the name of Val Belcher. And then the Undertaker took off his glasses and he looked at me. And he said, Val Belcher from Houston, Texas? I was like, yeah, Val Belcher from Houston, Texas. He's like, 
our daddies grew up together. They were best friends. And I said, that's what he told me. But I said, I don't think so. Everybody knows his daddy died in a funeral parlor fire. Undertaker did not laugh at that at all. I was like, fuck, strike two, you know? And this was before I was even a comedian. <laughs> like, And then uh, I apologized. I said, I'm sorry about my friend. And he was like, nah, we get him every now and again. You know, like the super marks, you know? And... Uh, <laughs> And then you're coming back, and then I said, I, I said, hey, if you go to the Lone Star, they'll give you a free meal. And he's like, I got about nine hours of tattoo work on my arm that I'm getting done in uh, Toronto, so I don't have time. But so you do me a favor. I'm like, yeah. He goes, you tell Val Belcher, Mark Calloway said hello. I was like, Mark Calloway. He goes, I'm Mark. And I'm like, I know. And then he was like, all right, cool. I'm like, and then I said again, sorry about my body. He was like, ah, no problem. Here he comes. And he just puts the glasses back on. <laughs> And then you come back and you were like, I was uh, thinking the whole time taking the luggage. Now this is it. We're going to be best buddies. Like, I don't even know what to ask you still at this time. I think it was Jack Dempsey, the road agent brought in this fucking hot little blonde who wasn't mrs taker i don't believe her name her id did not match the name on his neck (laughs) and that which was sarah was not sarah and she was like mark let's go let's go already mark but he was actually being kind to us he was going to allow me that one question the question that i always want to ask my hero you always want to ask your hero what was it how are the wife and kids As he's standing beside his lady friend. That he's about to go fuck on his tour bus. And he's like, you talk to me like you know me. And, and then he just walked away. But he rolled his eyes into the back of his head. He <laughs> tore his sunglasses. He's like. And you look at me, the best was the look on your face. It's like, I can't believe you just asked that. Are you kidding me? Of all the things, you, you, you just asked him that idiotic question. Yeah, he's like, did you? And you're like, did you not know that that girl's going to fuck him? <laughs> and you're like, No. And then I was like, oh, fuck. And the, the whole way, he just like, it was like, you claim to know me. You talk to me like you, you know, know me. me. And like, <laughs> you were, I think you were on your knees at that point begging for forgiveness. He was gone. And then he just walked away and it was foggy. I never too. got talking to him again. That it was, was it. It was foggy. He just left. I in thought the I heard fog. like a bong. I heard a bong. <laughs> and fucking, <laughs> it was so foggy outside. You thought somebody was smoking a bong. Drove away out of, out of no, a cool November evening in, in 1990. 97 in Cornwall, Ontario. That was the last time I ever ha- I ever got to talk to the Undertaker. Fuck. Uh, if he's listening to this, I'm sure he listens to your podcast. I'm very sorry for the stupid question. <laughs> I guess if I could take that back, I'd just say, uh, Mr. What? Undertaker, it's a pleasure to meet you. I'm a huge fan. What? But if you had one question for the Undertaker now, what would it be? My question to How the- are your new wife and kids? <laughs> no, I would probably try to keep it more on a professional level. I would just say, I, if I ever saw him again, I would just say a huge fan. Um, I would tell him that I had the opportunity to meet Jimmy Superfly Snooker at the Iron Power Arena for the second wrestling event you and I went to in Iron Power. And do you remember this, Casey? I do remember this. Go ahead. <laughs> this, I love it. This just, came in, just popped into my head. This, this is one of the best stories. Poor Superfly. He was on the wind down after his post WWE days and he came to a, a, a local event and it was a terrible match. I even forget. Who did he wrestle? Mass Maniac. <laughs> and and you, there's no security at the Iron Pair events. And, no. you, and I said, you and I were planning, I think, to go in the ring during the one of the matches. But that was smart that we didn't. But we bombarded Superfly in his change room after the match. He was just out of the shower. He was just getting ready to leave. And I went in. I said, come on, Case, we got to go talk to the Superfly. And I remember I specifically asked him, <laughs> 
I said Superfly. What was it like? What did it, what did it feel like when the Undertaker grabbed you and tombstoned you at WrestleMania Seven in Los Angeles? How did that feel? Not only that, you said, <laughs> did you know that he had the great makings to be the champion that he is today? <laughs> and, Superfly, and he was like, uh, huh, huh, bro, huh? <laughs> you had no idea what the fuck you were talking about. <laughs> he just about. wanted us to get out of there, right? I know. We're standing in the in the, in the hockey change room. Superfly is just getting dressed by himself, and I'm asking him to get in his tombstone, his head tombstone by the Undertaker. But uh, that was hilarious. I'll never forget that. But no, I, I'd ask, I just tell the Undertaker that I'm a huge fan and I love everything that he does. I'll tell you what. Um, and that he should have ended his career with the old wrestling garb from like WrestleMania 7, WrestleMania uh, 8, and when he f- f- uh, won the title from Psycho Sid, I think at WrestleMania 12. He should have came out one last time with the, uh, the original, you know, the gray gloves yeah. and the black outfit and the original Undertaker uh, music. Yeah. And maybe we still might get that yet, hopefully. If you're listening out there, Taker, do it. I don't. I, well, you know, he's going to appear. He's already scheduled to appear on the 25th anniversary of Raw. No, no, he's not. He's retired. Did you not see WrestleMania? He left everything in there. He's gone. He's left gone. everything in there, but he's got about 11 different outfits, Chris. He come back in the old gray because he didn't have the fucking gray. He just put down the fucking hat and the trench coat. What if he comes back in the old gray? Maybe he and along with Demolition Axe and Smash and maybe Hulk will be surprise entrance in the Royal Rumble this year. Make it the best Rumble ever. It could be. Uh, folks, we've come to an end of another episode or another issue of Talking Wrestling. Uh, my guest today has been the one and the only uh, Chris Cody, Crusher Chris Cody. Let's get Demolition into the Hall of Fame, people. Help me. Help me on my quest to, to get Demolition into the WWE Hall of Fame. We can make it happen. If you want to uh, tweet at Chris, where can we find you on Twitter? At CRC2015, uh, an old tweeting address. Um, and also at Reed Brothers Motor Sales in Armpire, Ontario. Proudly servicing the community since 1954. Cadillac, GM, Buick. Fucking cars. Trucks. Cars, trucks, and don't... Talk wrestling, talk trucks. Cars, trucks, and don't give a fucks. Um, Thank you, Casey. Thank you very much for having me on your podcast. Yeah, and thank you for having us. Uh, Folks, uh, remember, uh, if you're listening on iTunes, rate, review, subscribe. And uh, remember, if you're uh, watching us and listening to us on Never Sleeps Net, we appreciate that. But uh, get over to iTunes. Give us a five-star rating and a review. Get your your postcard. postcard. Get your postcard. And, uh, folks, thank you uh, for letting us put a headlock on your ears and uh, tuning in to Never Sleeps Network's Talking Wrestling. I'm Case Corbin. Have a great day. Never Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com. Thank you.